Hey everyone, welcome back to the Who's Judging podcast. I'm your host, Connor, and today we're going to be going over the world's most eco-friendly countries. There is a lot to take into account when these lists are made, everything from biodiversity to air pollution to CO2 emissions in general to land and water protection and preservation. And so this, this topic has been researched and presented by many different reputable sources, including Forbes, Yale, and even the United Nations. Most lists have the same countries in their top 10, maybe just slightly rearranged. There's a small chance that one or two of the countries are different for these lists. For this podcast, though, I'm going to be using Yale University's Center for Environmental Law and Policies list. And so here's their top 10. At number 10, Iceland. At number 9, Switzerland. Number 8, Austria. Number 7, Slovenia. Number 6, Luxembourg. Number 5, Sweden. Number 4, Malta. Number 3, Finland. Number 2, United Kingdom. And number 1, Denmark. Maybe some surprising countries there. You'll notice none of them are, you know, very big, you know, to the scale of U.S., China, India, that kind of size. It is easier to do at a smaller scale and implement at a smaller scale. And that is not an excuse for all the big ones that are not on that list. And so what you'll notice about the list, two things. One, all 10 countries are in Europe. All 10 of them. And number two, you'll notice our beloved United States is missing from the list, notably. And so just a little information on this list. To rank the countries, they use the Environmental Performance Index, or EPI, which is a statistical method of computing the collective environmental impact of all of a country's policies combined. The 2022 Environmental Performance Index ranks 180 countries across 32 performance indicators related to environmental health and ecosystem vitality from the amount of particulate pollution in the air and the purity of drinking water to the health of fish stocks and the management of wetlands. The EPI grades each country's environmental trends and progress, which provides a foundation from which governments can implement effective environmental policies. EPI measurements also enable countries to see how close they are to their established environmental policy goals. The average EPI score in the top 10 is 71.48. The United States score is 51.10, which places them 43rd out of 180 countries. Not very good. It's above average, well above average technically. But are, are we really known for being well above average? Is that what we want to be known as? Is more of my question. Some notable countries near the bottom are China at 160th place with a score of 28.40 and India at 180 or last scoring 18.90. Now, mind you, those are very, very bad company countries to be at the bottom. Okay, these are two of the biggest, if not the biggest countries by population in the world. And China, one of the most influential countries in the world. So for them to be near the bottom, and in India's case, at the bottom, is very bad for our world, eco-friendly wise.
now not absolutes, but just trending wise, which countries are trending in the right direction over the last decade. These are the best. Malta at 25.4 increase of their EPI over the last 10 years. Afghanistan, 23.90 increase. UK, a 23 point increase. Finland, 21 point increase. And Trinidad and Tobago with a 19 point increase. Some of the bigger countries are Mexico with a 12.4 point increase, China with an 11.4 point increase, and South Africa at 10.10 point increase. Those are three of the bigger ones, and they're nowhere near the top 10, but they are at least trending in the right direction, and that's what we want to see from these countries. Now on to the negatives. These are the countries who are trending in the wrong direction. First off, we have Burundi at a negative 13-point trend, Nepal at a negative 10.3-point trend, Vanuatu at a negative 9.2 trend, and Cote d'Ivoire at a negative 8.2 trend, and Suriname at a negative 8-point trend. And I'm so sorry if I butchered the hell out of those names. Okay, and some of the bigger countries that are trending in the wrong direction are the Philippines at a negative 7.50 point decrease, Vietnam at a negative 0.6 decrease, and India at a negative 0.6 decrease. So of course the most upsetting out of that list is India, which is not trending far in the wrong direction, but it's trending at the wrong direction while being in absolutely last place. And that is not what we want. We want the bottom ones to at least be trending up. And sadly, 58 of the 180 countries listed, just about one in every three countries, have had negative trending scores over the last 10 years. That's horrendous. So one of every three countries is trending in the wrong direction eco-friendly wise. Environmentally, they are trending in the wrong direction. Now that's enough about who's at the top of the list, who's at the bottom of the list, who's moving up, who's moving down. Now let's move on to what these countries are doing to make themselves eco-friendly. In 2019, Denmark implemented climate action into its political infrastructure by passing the legally binding Climate Act which aims to reduce CHG emissions by 70% by 2030 compared to 1990 emission levels. The Climate Act mandates decarbonizing all sectors, including agriculture, transportation, and energy, and it is is a step on their way towards their 2050 net zero emissions goal. Now, mind you, there are very, very few, if any, other legally binding climate measures anywhere in the world. So this is a very huge measure. In addition to the Climate Act, Denmark has successfully halved their CO2 emissions since their peak in 1996 by significantly reducing the use of coal to just 13% in 2019, so hopefully even more from there, down from 49% in 2009 and replacing it with cleaner sources of energy such as wind and solar power. 
Moving on to the Swedish. The Swedish climate targets compared to 1990 levels are to achieve a 40% reduction in emissions by 2020, 63% by 2030, and 85-100% to by 2045. Those are lofty goals, and they are working on it, and, you know, hopefully they make it. Moving on to the UK, in the United Kingdom, the 12 years since the passing of the Climate Change Act, greenhouse gas emissions have fallen by 28%, and it has provided the foundation for advancement of climate action in the UK, including a target of phasing out coal-fired power plants by 2023. This act was updated in 2019 to include a net zero 2050 emissions target, with the UK becoming the first major economy in the world to put such a target in law. The government plans to place a ban on selling new petrol, diesel, or hybrid vehicles in the UK by 2035, brought forward from a previous target of 2040. Now, Malta has made its way to the top 10 due to lots of improvement over the past 10 years, including they passed the Sustainable Development Act, which mandates the Maltese government to incorporate sustainable development into its political framework in 2012. They are transitioning towards a circular economy, which is premised upon recycling and reusing materials to increase efficiency, reduce waste, and avoid environmental degradation. So, very big moves. A circular economy would be huge towards moving eco-friendly. And even in places like Afghanistan, work has been undertaken to improve irrigation infrastructure, restore rangelands, and create livelihood projects in targeted communities, as well as pledging a 13.6% reduction in emissions by 2030 compared to business as usual, conditional on external support. So not a huge target, really small target compared to some of the other ones, but the fact that Afghanistan is even willing to play ball with everything else you know, on their plate is huge. And any reduction is huge. So we'll take 13.6% from them. Now, China. China is the largest emitter of carbon in the world, which gives it a lot of room for improvement. And they have been taking it. They have become the world's largest producer of renewable energy. China built nearly 31 gigawatts of new solar power capacity from January to June this year, which is up 137% from their production a year earlier, with full-year installments on course to hit a record high, an industry group said on Thursday. Total solar power capacity now stands at 340 gigawatts, up 25.8% compared to last year. The honorary chairman of the China Photovoltaic Industry Association said in a presentation, Total installations over the year are expected to stand at between 75 gigawatts and 90 gigawatts over 2022, Wang said, breaking last year's record of 54.9 gigawatts. China will aim to ensure that its grids source about 33% of power from renewable sources by 2025, up from 28.8% in 2020. Its Paris Agreement pledges include lowering its carbon intensity by between 60 and 65% by 2030 relative to 2005 levels. And mind you, even with this, they have a lot of room to grow 
as they are still the largest emitter and the largest producer of coal in the world. Luxembourg is quickly becoming a hub for sustainable finance with a dedicated task force for climate finance. In 2020, Luxembourg began selling sustainability bonds designed to raise money for green and social projects. They have made significant efforts to encourage people to transition away from cars toward more sustainable transit by making all public transport within the country completely free. They're also moving towards increasing dependence on renewable energy, having doubled its solar power and tripled its wind power in the past five years. That is huge growth, and that is just very, very good. It's on a great path for that country to becoming more and more eco-friendly, and that's why they're in the top 10. Those are the kind of things you have to do to make it into the top 10 eco-friendly countries. Switzerland is among the top five fastest nations on track to meet the sustainable development goals set out in 2015 with the UN. Switzerland's sustainability efforts are global, too. This year, they signed bilateral agreements with Peru and Ghana, respectively, for the nations to cooperate towards achieving their respective Paris Agreement commitments. These two bilateral agreements involve Switzerland offsetting its own emissions by investing in Ghanaian and Peruvian sustainable development businesses. Switzerland is leading the way in carbon capture technology with the opening of its first industrial-scale carbon capture plant outside Zurich, Zurich in 2017. Switzerland is leading the way in carbon capture technology with the opening of the first industrial-scale carbon capture plant outside Zurich in 2017. Switzerland has also heavily invested in preserving and protecting its water supply by building approximately 800 wastewater treatment plants. Huge plans there, and that's why they're one of the top five on their way to their goals. In South Africa, the government approved its Integrated Resource Plan in late 2019, which reduces the role of coal and increases the adoption of renewables and gas. The plan marks a major shift in energy policy for a coal-dominated country like South Africa, aiming to decommission over 35 gigawatts of coal-fired power capacity from state-owned coal and utility giant ESCOM by 2050. And that is why they are one of the higher-trending countries of the large-scale countries. Another leader is Singapore. They are the innovative leader in recycling wastewater. They recycle around 40% of all of the water that ends up in their sewers as well as toilet water into clean water. Singapore unsurprisingly tops most indexes, ranking the world's most sustainable cities. It has the second highest population density in the world, and even though Singapore's network has a margin for improvement, the city has been praised for its efforts to push for electric vehicles and the use of data and transportation plans. In early 2021, the government of Singapore announced the audacious plan of building the avant-garde eco-smart city of Tenga. Again, sorry if I said that wrong. The western region of the island, which will be home to five residential districts and a total of 42,000 houses spread over 700 hectares of land. 
the city will have several sustainable features such as an automated trash collection system, ensuring a cleaner environment as well as pedestrian-friendly zones and underground roads. This ambitious project will resemble a proper forest town characterized by huge green areas such as public gardens and a nature reserve. Despite the relatively small population, per capita emissions in Singapore are relatively high, with greenhouse gases coming mainly from the elevated use of air conditioning, one of the main sources of energy consumption given to the tropical temperatures affecting the city all year round. To tackle this issue, urban planners are implementing a centralized cooling system to regulate the temperature in households, which they see as a more energy-efficient alternative to individual AC units. Moving on to the United States. In the United States, the Green New Deal proposed by AOC, also known as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, was unable to pass, but the Inflation Reduction Act, (laughs) that, that name is ironic, partially targeted climate change. Families that take advantage of clean energy and electric vehicle tax credits will save more than $1,000 per year. $14,000 in direct consumer rebates for families to buy heat pumps or other energy-efficient home appliances will also save them money. But more importantly, we're just talking about why it's eco-friendly. Putting a rebate on them will get more people to buy them. $7.5 million more families will be able to install solar on their roofs with a 30% tax credit. On top of that, up to $7,500 in tax credits for new electric vehicles and $4,000 for used electric vehicles. This will also help power homes, businesses, and communities with much more clean energy by 2030, including 950 million solar panels, 120,000 wind turbines, and 2,300 grid-scale battery plants. It will also advance cost-saving clean energy projects at rural energy cooperatives serving 42 million people, as well as strengthening climate resilience and protecting nearly 2 million acres of natural forests. It will also reduce greenhouse gas emissions by about 1 gigaton in 2030, or a billion metric tons. 10 times more climate impact than any other single piece of legislation ever enacted in the United States. Lastly, it will deploy clean energy and reduce particle pollution from fossil fuels to avoid up to 3,900 premature deaths and up to 100,000 asthma attacks annually by 2030. So, as you can see, there are many, many different strategies that are being used to make our world more eco-friendly by different countries. And that is okay. Everyone is doing what they can. Not everyone, but most countries are doing what they can at the pace they can, and they're trying different strategies to get to the goals they set. The main thing restricting countries like the United States and Canada are the size of the countries and the political system in place. Lobbying and where the budget already is, it's hard to change compared to a company who or a country who is setting a budget and is more flexible in it and doesn't affect at the scale of the United States and Canada. Again, non-excuse for these countries not to be on that list. Don't take it that way. Because almost 70% of U.S. voters want 
or are looking for more climate action to be done by their government and will vote that way, yet Congress won't pass much of anything. The Inflation Act, Inflation Reduction Act, just has quite a bit in it, but it would not have passed if it was a standalone bill, standalone climate bill. Now, for smaller, still developing countries, they have bigger issues to tackle first, humanitarian-wise or, you know, economically. So it's harder for them to move on to the environmental ones. And realistically, some of them aren't able to afford it right now. So they will need help and support from bigger countries like the United States and the European Union. Hands down, if we do not help some of these smaller ones, they will not they will not make any change. They'll not be able to make any change for some of them. So what we need to do is get in there and kind of do stuff like Switzerland did with Ghana and Peru. Go in and make agreements, bilateral agreements, and get some stuff done. Because in order to achieve these carbon goals and be an eco-friendly world, we will need to be one world, not many countries. Again, who's judging? Not me.